Stu Does America. Follow all the 2024 election insanity with the State of the Race free podcast series. It's a brand new bonus pod on this channel. If you haven't been listening on podcasts, if you're on YouTube or somewhere else, just go over to the podcast feed and subscribe right there. Follow the show and you'll get the show every time we do it which we're going to do it pretty regularly as we go through the election season. You can catch up on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash America on the regular show, the, the other state of the race audio only for the time being. Uh, you can like our videos on YouTube. We appreciate it if you do that. Steve Dace is, you know, he's the guy in Iowa. He knows everything about Iowa. He's going to be here to give us uh, a download about what's going to happen in Iowa, I, I, including the weather, which is going to be crazy. We'll talk about that in a second. The media is finally uh, finding its way to report what Americans really think about the border, and that's going to be crucial as we go toward November. But we start by doing Iowa the closing argument. And I had a moment today. I, I mean, I, I can't even describe the moment that I, of realization I had today. I was doing the radio show with Pat Gray this morning. Glenn is going to be back on the radio tomorrow, by the way. And we're sitting there, we're in the break, and we're just BSing about Iowa and, and, and uh, the race that's coming up and sports, as we you know typically do in the commercial breaks. And in that moment, I realized for the first time that the Iowa caucuses will be happening. Results will be coming out. All this will be going on while the Philadelphia Eagles are playing their playoff game on Monday night. I had not, because I, I forgot, you know, like I knew it was Monday night. I said it was Monday night a bunch of times. I was planning on watching it all Monday night, and it just did not coalesce in my brain that that's also the Iowa night. I, I can tell you which one I want to watch more. There's no doubt about that. And honestly, the way the Eagles are playing, I might reverse that whole decision and just be like, I want caucus coverage all night long. Uh, but we will be doing some sort of caucus coverage. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and I will be in likely a deep depression and will probably start taking heroin in the middle of the game when they're down like 27 nothing in the second quarter. So all that still look forward to next week. It's going to be a lot of fun, not for my family um, and not, not for my health, but for you. And that's what we're here uh, for. I am legitimately, I cannot believe I didn't realize that was going on until right now. Now, if you're in Iowa and you're thinking to yourself, and this is, kind of, I don't know, look, it's kind of a boring game for most of the country, I suppose, you know, Philly, Tampa, but it is an NFL playoff game. You may know that they get kind of the highest ratings of any shows for the entire year. You look at the end of the year, you get the top, you know, 18 to the top 20 shows are all NFL games. So, like, it's kind of a big deal that this is going on at the same time that the Iowa caucuses uh, will be going on. And in addition to that, think about yourself at home. You're like, ah, maybe you're a fan of the NFL. Maybe you're like, ah, I kind of want to watch this game, but I want to go to the caucus. And I don't know. It looks like it's kind of maybe a blowout. And hold on, let me open up the door. Holy crap, it's cold out there. Screw this, I'm watching the game. There's going to be some of that that happens on Monday night. It's going to be fascinating to see how that affects the race. Iowa Caucus Day is expected to be bitterly cold. Um, now, there are records, of course, being discussed. Will this happen? Let me just give you a little picture here. I mean, this is unbelievable. Monday is expected to have a high temperature, a projected high temperature of O. Zero degrees, a high of zero. Wind chills as low as minus 30 degrees. Now, I grew up in the Northeast, okay? I, I, now, I moved here for a reason to Texas because it's warmer. That's, I would say, 
in a freedom, blah, blah, blah. 80% of the reason I'm here is because it's warm. I don't like cold weather. I'm, I'm happy with 105 degree summers. I'm fine with it. I grew up in the Northeast. I dealt with cold weather my entire life. I remember being out for New Year's in Boston one year, and I, I thought I was going to die. I was so cold. I've never felt anything like I felt in the Midwest. It's something totally different. Uh, Chicago one day, walking around from meeting to meeting, I thought I was going to just turn into an ice cube. Covering the 2016 caucuses, going from like, you know, uh, airport runway to, you know, Holiday Inn to, uh, I can, you know, I don't know, gymnasium where there's speeches going on. The wind, it comes out of nowhere. It cuts through you, through all of the layers of your clothing and slices your flesh. It is, it is impossible to deal with. And now I'm a, granted a complete wuss and I, I admit that people in Iowa are a hell of a lot tougher than I'll ever be. But man, you got to think these sorts of temperatures, along with a giant uh, snow situation they've been dealing with, is going to make some people think twice about getting out there and pushing for their candidate, especially in a situation where it feels like, you know, when you look at polls, when you look at the coverage, I mean, I, you know, look at the coverage, even on conservative media, there's not even there's not that much of it. It's not certainly compared to previous cycles. It's kind of being treated as a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump gets this nomination. Will that stop some Trump supporters from going out? Will that stop Haley and DeSantis supporters? Ah, we're never going to win anyway. Who knows what's going to happen on Monday night? Um, now, we are uh, we've seen now 230 crashes in the snow in a snowstorm in uh, in Iowa just over the past few days um, 199 instances of property damages 26 injuries no fatalities over 600 motorists assisted during the storm and this is the storm leading up to the cold like if you've ever been in one of those things where you have the storm you have the ice and the ice is on the road and it can't go away because it's so cold and it can never melt this is life in in, in parts of America and I Go back to this over and over again. Why did we build civilizations here? Why didn't we just all go really close to the equator? I don't know. Maybe global warming is the answer to that. Now, we do have Iowa right around the corner. There's a lot to know about Iowa. I mentioned the State of the Race podcast. Had a great one, I think, this morning, really breaking down the latest polls that came out. And we're going to do some of that here, go into maybe a little bit more depth on the State of the Race. If you want to check that out, again, it's on the podcast feed for Studios America. DeSantis uh, says Iowa could upend Trump's lead in polls. And this is tough. Like, it's tough to make an argument for yourself in this position. Uh, you know, DeSantis is a really promising candidate. You know, I like the guy. I mean, I think he's a great governor. I think he'd be a great president. But, like, it's tough to win in this situation. He's, in a, he's got an uphill battle ahead of us. Polls have not turned out the way that he would want to. There is an argument, of course, that if you start winning, winning changes everything. It's the same in sports. Uh, you know, look, the Eagles can somehow beat the Bucks. They look impressive, start to get some confidence back. Maybe they can turn around the season. I'm talking myself into oblivion on this, but like that's the path, right? You go and you win Iowa. You have a really strong showing in Iowa. Maybe that has some people who are on the fence and just, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, ah, I don't know who's going to win here. Maybe they change their mind. One of the strange things I've noticed over the years doing this job for, God, over 20 years now, one of the thing I've, things I've noticed, and I, I, I find it myself to be odd, and my guess is you probably aren't in this situation, but you know people who are, which is the vote they make in something like a primary is not always who they believe is the best candidate. A lot of times what it is is based on who they think will win. It's almost like a prediction. Like if they think X candidate will win, they're more likely to vote for that candidate. And I don't really understand that. It's not you. It's 
you know, you're, you don't have anything to do with it. It's like you have a favorite team, you vote, vote for that favorite team. The fact that another team might beat your favorite team doesn't mean you switch allegiances, right? Like you don't start rooting for the, the evil Dallas Cowboys because they would certainly be a heavy favorite against my Eagles at this point. I will still root for the Eagles and because I like them. You know, and in this situation, I see this happen. I, I told you about a, a guy who I, I know who had a Ron DeSantis sign on his front lawn. And as the polling sort of turned against DeSantis, the sign disappeared. And at, at one point, my wife was talking to him and he said, you know, well, I took it off because, you know, obvious reasons. Well, what's the obvious reason exactly that he's not winning? Well, why would that matter? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be a reason to have the sign up there to try to convince people, I guess, to change their vote? A lot of people make their decision based on this. And if they see momentum building for Ron DeSantis, maybe they like DeSantis more the whole time and maybe they will switch. There's an argument to be made there. It has happened. We've seen this happen with upsets in early primaries that change the face of the race. Can this happen here? Look, I think previous history is really difficult here. It's not always easy to look back at previous history on this stuff because at the end of the day, Donald Trump's a different candidate. He's the former president of the United States. His fame is unmatched. His hold on the party seemingly is unmatched. And it's going to be difficult to upend him. Um, you know, and I bring this up because, like, it's not like people don't like Ron DeSantis. You know, we all know what Trump has done over the past six months to a year. Basically try to make Ron DeSantis look like a bad governor, uh, that he's folded on all these important issues. He did a bad job in COVID. All these things. What's fascinating about it is, the Republican primary voters are not buying that at all. They don't think Ron DeSantis is a bad candidate at all. In fact, he's one of the most favorable candidates in the entire uh, field. Let me give you this. This is just a, an amazing <laughs> snapshot for multiple reasons. The most important candidate or most popular candidate in the field, as you might imagine, is Donald Trump. He's plus 58 on the net favorability scale. That's a very, very good number. You know, if you're 80% favorable, 20% unfavorable, you're plus 60, right? This is, he's plus 58%. Ron DeSantis, though, is plus 38.9. That's a damn good number. Now, it's down from his highs, which were about plus 60. So he is down a little bit on his favorability as this campaign has gone on. But really, the Trump attacks on him haven't necessarily move people away from Ron DeSantis that they think he's a bad candidate. They just aren't voting for him as, in his high numbers. They still like him, though. Say Nikki Haley is a plus 17, or excuse me, plus 19. Vivek Ramaswamy is a plus 17. Chris Christie, minus 35. So there's a real difference between Christie and the rest of this field and has been for a very long time. Now, there are, there are some new polls out, um, and let me give you uh, some of them. Um, new Hampshire, uh, we had a poll that came out. Maybe I'll get back to that here in just a second and go to the Iowa polling average first. This is uh, the Real Clear Politics average, and this is the thing that gets reported a lot. And again, Real Clear Politics does a good job with this. I'm glad they maintain this average. They've been doing it for a really long time. It's important to be able to look back historically at what happened. However, most of the polls in this average were old. We got two new ones uh, just yesterday. In them, uh, first one, Morning Consult came out, has Trump at 58, Haley 15, DeSantis 14, Ramaswamy 10, Christie 3, and Hutchinson 1. Important to note, if Ron DeSantis finishes third in Iowa, he's, he's done. I mean, I don't think there's any way to recover from that. He's put all these resources in Iowa. He cannot lose Nikki Haley. We'll get into that here more in just a second. Um, a couple other things on this, though. The way this is notated in the Real Clear Politics is that the poll occurred from January 1st to January 7th. I looked at the poll. I don't think that's right. I think that's actually a mistake. The poll seems to claim 
it was taken over a very long period of time from December 1st to January 7th. Now, that doesn't make much sense, but they do monthly polls with Morning Consult. So it's almost 40 days of of polling. It's hard to know whether this was early or late, um, but it holds the same shape of the race. Basically, DeSantis and Haley are close for second, but Donald Trump is running away with it. Trafalgar did a a group uh, poll there as well. That's from January 6th to January 8th. 52 for Trump, 18 for Haley, 18 for DeSantis, 5 for Ramaswamy, 3 for Christie, 1 for Hutchinson. You might say, I don't care about polls. That's fine. You don't have to care about them. I mean, but I will say the poll uh, from Morning Consult, particularly strange. It was very small, only 353 people. included in that. And again, a very strange uh, multi-week poll. So it's hard to know exactly what uh, to look at. Let me go to New Hampshire. New Hampshire got a bunch of new polls as well, a couple of them at least. And as one was a CNN poll. Haley has trimmed Trump's lead to single digits in New Hampshire, says CNN. 39% for Trump, 32% for Haley, a seven-point lead for Trump. Uh, rest of the field is uh, Chris Christie at 12, Vivek at 8, DeSantis at 5, and Asa Hutchinson at less than 1. I will, and, and uh, you know, this is maybe a surprise to some. I will not be surprised if Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. I don't think that's a shock at this point. We have seen multiple polls that have showed this. She has obviously has, it's her audience. It's a more moderate crowd. Um, we showed you two polls uh, over the past couple of weeks that had her within three points. This one has her within seven. I'll give you another poll that has a more optimistic picture for Trump here in a second. But I would say the majority of the polling has this as a relatively close race. Chris Christie is interesting in this race. He's sitting there at 12%. All of his voters would not all, but almost all of his voters would go to Nikki Haley if he were to drop out. The pressure is very high on Chris Christie to drop out of this race right now because all the Chris Christie voters are just anti-Trump people. And, you know, Trump is there a 12 point or a 10 point pickup for Nikki Haley in this race would make a massive difference. She could very well and you should prepare yourself mentally this for this could very well win the state of New Hampshire. But what does that mean? Does that turn into anything for her? There's a school of thought, and you know, there's something to this, right? If she wins New Hampshire, maybe she gets the bump from New Hampshire. If DeSantis were to drop out after a poor showing in Iowa, let's say, some of those votes are probably gonna go to Trump, honestly, but maybe some of them go to Haley as well. And you're in a situation where she can turn a win in New Hampshire into a win in her home state in South Carolina, and then who knows, right? Like, I've heard that argument from some Haley people, and, and, and it's not impossible. But when you look at the fundamentals behind these polls, it's sort of hard to believe. And why I say that is the CNN poll, for example, has Trump at among Republican voters. So Republican voters, that's who votes in Republican primaries. Well, not necessarily in New Hampshire. A lot of people cross over, a lot of independents there. Among Republican voters, this is how it it spaces out. Trump at 50, Haley at 27, and Chris Christie at 5. So a 23-point gap uh, from Trump to Haley among Republican voters. When you look at the other side of this, Democrat and independent voters is where you see how this race is playing out and why it's close and why I would not be surprised at all if Nikki Haley actually wins this thing. But does it equal anything in the future? Among independent and Democratic voters in the CNN poll, Haley wins at 47 percent. Second place is not Trump. It's Chris Christie at 31 percent. Way, way, way back in the field is Donald Trump. Only 5 percent of the vote. 
Uh, Christie, I bring him up because if he drops out, it could go to Haley and probably would go to Haley. Um, but if you look at just Haley versus Trump among Republicans, Trump's plus 23 among de- uh, Democrats and independents. Haley is plus 42. That's great in New Hampshire. What does that mean for the rest of this race? It's not going to help you in South Carolina and these other states. It's going to be mostly Republicans voting, and that's going to be a very difficult uh, hill to climb. The thing with your Nikki Haley, win New Hampshire and then figure it out later. That's that's kind of where you have to go. By the way, I have the entire breakout right here. I've listed it all for Asa Hutchinson in every demographic group. And I'm just going to give you a quick outline. 0%, and 0%. Now, somehow, somehow he holds up, shows up at 1% on the poll, but I can't find any demographic group where he gets above zero. So we'll see. We'll have to break that down. I'll have to dive deeper into the crosstabs on that one. Um, the Haley uh, has narrowed gap with Trump in New Hampshire, according to a USA Today uh, story about another uh, poll. This is the uh, USA Today, Boston Globe, and Suffolk University. By the way, have you noticed this? How many different groups are sponsoring these polls? We're getting fewer polls with four and five and six sponsors on one poll. Why? They cost so much money. The response rate, which used to be 25, 30% in the old days, is now like one or 2%. So way more calls have to be made. Way more people have to be sought out. It's much more difficult to find people. And you see some of the polling errors on that as well. Uh, In that poll, by the way, in New Hampshire, 46% for Trump, 26% for New Hampshire. Chris Christie at 12, DeSantis uh, and Ramaswamy at 8% and 2%. A couple things you'll notice, though, between all these polls, Haley's right around 30 percent in almost all of these polls. She's right in that area. Christie's right around 12 percent in almost all of these polls. Those things are kind of locked in, uh, at least leading into New Hampshire. We're still about two weeks away, two weeks away from yesterday. Uh, Biden and Trump have a poll that was released in Michigan. A couple interesting things there, kind of a heads up. but I mean, it would be this is a great result for Trump and tough on these other candidates, because, again, if your argument is electability, these this constant flow of polling that looks good for Trump is not helping you. Forty seven percent of likely voters say they preferred Donald Trump. Only thirty nine percent said Biden again. Biden won Michigan back in 2020. Also, um, there was only 600 people in this poll, but only 17 percent said Biden should deserve another term. Now, he's getting 39 percent of the vote. About half of those people, a little more than half, are saying, look, we'll vote for him, but he doesn't deserve four more years. That's a catastrophe for a candidate. Joe Biden is so bad he could lose to almost anybody. I don't know. Donald Trump has his problems when it comes to polling. But with a guy candidate this week, there's a good chance that, you know, even with with his issues, he might very well win. DeSantis uh, and Haley have a debate tonight. Five things to watch in the DeSantis-Haley-Iowa debate comes from the Hill. Do Haley and DeSantis go after Trump is question number one. Probably a little bit, but the, 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 they're much more interested in going at each other right now. I mean, look, Ron DeSantis cannot finish in third. He can't. If he finishes in a close second, he's got at least an argument to continue. If he finishes in third to Haley, he's got very, very few places to go. With the exception of holding out, trying to have a strong showing so that if Donald Trump completely dissolves, you know, he goes to prison and he gives up his candidacy for whatever reason, maybe he can pick up those Trump voters and step forward. But that's about it. How combative does the debate get? They ask. I think very combative. This is vital for both of these candidates. You know, Haley, a close third is fine because she cares about New Hampshire. 
It's not the case for DeSantis. Which candidate emerges looking stronger? A big question. How many people will watch? I don't think that many. Uh, and does the debate move the needle? Hard to know. I, I kind of doubt it at this point. I think people in Iowa have made their minds up. Uh, there's a Trump town hall, which is going to be going on at the same time. Uh, kind of counter-programming. Donald Trump competes with Haley in the DeSantis compa- uh, debate. So you can watch that, a Trump uh, town hall. By the way, the important part to that maybe is the Fox element. Um, they have a split screen in Iowa, according to the New York Times, Haley-DeSantis debate versus Trump town hall. What's fascinating about this is the, the DeSantis-Haley debate happens on CNN. The Trump town hall happens on Fox, and you like think, okay, well, he's always going on Fox. That's old school. He hasn't been on Fox in almost two years live. Why? Well, when he was on live during the campaign, it cost Fox $787 million or whatever, you know, the, the whole lawsuit. And, you know, that wasn't directly related to Trump, but they were so protective of not getting sued again, they didn't want to put him on live. They put him out a few times. It's been on tape most of those times. It's been almost two years since Donald Trump was on Fox News Live. You can catch that tonight. Uh, look, there's a ton to talk about Iowa. We didn't dive into the nitty gritty of Iowa. The guy you want to be talking about the nitty gritty of Iowa is none other than our own Steve Dace, Blaze TV's own Steve Dace. He's going to join us here in just a second. A good pair of wireless earbuds is indispensable in 2024. You gotta have the right earbuds, premium audio, Perfect price point. What do you need? Raycon. Yes, Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, they're not going to fall out of your uh, ear like a lot of these others do. I mean, I, I have had some of these other earbuds. You, gosh, you, God forbid you put your hand anywhere near your ear. These things are popping out. That does not happen with Raycons. You get eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. Raycons are priced just right, and you get quality audio at half the price of some of these other brands. And these are premium brands. Get it for less. Why not get the same co- uh, sound quality for the for much lower price? Raycon's everyday earbuds. I love. Uh, they have tens of thousands of five star reviews. Uh, they have, you know, these cool like earbud tap functions, a noise isolation feature, awareness mode. They're great. You're gonna love them. If you love to exercise, even if you love to sleep in your earbuds, you think, I can't sleep in my earbuds. They're all going to be pointy. Not with Raycons. They just kind of fit flush to your ear. You can just fall asleep on your pillow as you listen to a podcast or something like that. I still get to listen whether whether you're listening at night or not, so I don't care. Buyraycon.com slash do. Buyraycon.com slash do. Get 15% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash do. Get 15% off free shipping right now. Buyraycon.com slash do. Nobody knows more about the Iowa caucuses than Steve Dace. He's the host of the Steve Dace Show right here on Blaze TV and co-author of Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial. So this never happens again. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. It's a big week. It is, but prepare to be disappointed because I am not sure I know anything about what's going to happen here <laughs> on Monday. This is the this is the most peculiar caucus cycle, brother, I have ever seen. It is really, really. I mean, the whole election cycle is freaking bizarre. Let's start, though, before mm-hmm. we even get into who's voting for who. The weather in Iowa seems to be a really big part of this story. I mean, I've been to Iowa yeah. around caucus time. It's freaking cold. But what we're about to see is going to be much worse than that. Yeah, right now, the forecast for the three biggest population centers in the state um, after dark 
And when it gets dark here in the Midwest this time of year, with the Christmas lights gone, it gets dark. <laughs> all right. And so after dark, the lows in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids right now are looking at air temps, air temps, minus 13. Oh and God. out in Sioux City, air temps of minus 14. We just had our first winter storm this week. We've got more snow on the way this weekend. So, yeah, uh, we, we set a record for the coldest caucus ever in 2016. I think it was minus four, minus five. But we didn't have about a foot of snow on the ground on top of that, too. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any way we're breaking a turnout record again on Monday. That's the one thing that I think I'm confident about. Everything else, not so sure. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, so what are, are people? You know, in Iowa, obviously you deal with cold every every, every year. And, and, I, and I brought this up earlier, but like I'm from the Northeast and it gets cold in the Northeast. It's nothing like I felt in Iowa and, you know, in the Midwest. It's a totally different kind of cold. Are people in Iowa just like used to it enough to push through this? Or are most people going to be like, hey, there's an NFL football game on. It's warm inside. I'm yeah. staying home. Well, I think people need to remember, Stu, that caucuses are low turnout events anyway. Uh, it's it's different than a primary. You you don't just roll in the day of, you know, go to a church or whatever your your voting precinct is located, the school. You stop in over your lunch break, you vote or whenever it's convenient for you, like you do on election day, file a vote behind a, you know, behind, behind a counter and then just you're out of there in 10 minutes or however long the line is. This is a, it's always a commitment, even when the weather's good. Minimum 30 minutes, sometimes longer, depending on what kind of leeway that caucus site gives for the length of the speeches. Because, yes, you're going to hear pictures for candidates, sometimes the candidates themselves will be at a precinct to give uh, to give those kinds of speeches. The horse trading will go on uh, right there. And so because of the, the, the fact it's at night, it requires a commitment. Other party businesses did like delegate elections and things of that nature. That, that kind of winnows down already to who kind of is the most committed to the political process to begin with. So, for example, right now we have a record high amount of Republicans registered in Iowa. It's right around 670,000. Even if we were to hit the, the turnout record that was set in 2016, which was just under 187,000, Stu, that, that would account for one out of every six Republicans. And then you got to factor in, um, you know, who are the independents that can come and register register that day to vote. You know, we, uh, that was one fifth, one out of every five voters in 2016 was not a Republican. Uh, When they got there to register Republican or they were an independent the day of, uh, I think we'll see an even higher percentage of independents this year because there's not a a competitive democratic uh, caucus on the other side, like we had in 2016. So, I mean, I I could see 30% of the electorate being independents. And that's, that's also why Iowa is historically difficult to poll. And we have wild swings on game day. If you go back to 2000, for example, uh, Steve Forbes and Alan Keyes combined overperformed their final polls by 13 points uh, or 17 points. If you go back and look at 2016, uh, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz outperformed their final polls combined by 13 points. We get wild swings. If you've got a candidate like a Vivek Ramaswamy, for example, who is polling at about four, five, six percent in Iowa, he's likely walking out of his caucus site with two or three percent because people People then are like, well, my guy's not going to win and I want my vote to count. All right. And so these become very volatile situations historically. Mm. It's, it's such a fascinating process. How long does it take, Steve, by the way? Like if you show up for a, for a caucus, how long are you actually there? Minimum 30 minutes. Minimum. Minimum 30 minutes. Uh, okay. And it can take it, it can take well over an hour. 
uh, depending on how you know each caucus has a lot of its own independence these are these are not like primaries that are run by the state government the secretary of state it's a caucus so it's a private event that is run it's like a glorified straw poll it's run by your state party uh, and then your local party that is administering your particular site or precinct you know they'll determine you know hey we're only you can only speak for a minute or two you can speak for five minutes you know um, it, and then how efficient can they actually get things going on their own and count the votes there on their own it's a very organic process um, how do you look at the polling that's out there? I mean, there hasn't been much until the last couple of days. I know we're going to get one more Des Moines Register poll supposedly at some point this week. Do you put any any do you believe these polls? Do you think they're majorly flawed? They kind of seem to show that Trump still has a big lead. What do we think of the polls at this point? What I thought was fascinating is that the Des Moines Register's last poll in October showed Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump had the exact same amount of first and second choice uh, support. And that matters because a lot of times in Iowa, you know, you kind of want to almost be the second choice. Yeah, when when people are breaking late and there's the sense of momentum, uh, and uh, but it, but then their their top line result was that essentially DeSantis had the same support as Nikki Haley. So basically, everybody was going to decide if they were torn between DeSantis and Trump. Everybody was going to decide Trump. It, it won't work out that way. Um, in, in some respects, the, given the, the expectation, I live in the most densely populated area of the state, the suburbs of Des Moines, five minutes from my house is the largest mall in the state of Iowa. Um, I mean, people come here for tourism, uh, to my neighborhood, uh, from around the state during state fair time. Uh, I have seen, I've counted a total of seven yard signs. Remember, I know this precinct. Well, I organized it for crews. I'll be the precinct captain for DeSantis in full disclosure next week. Um, I've, I've counted seven yard signs this entire cycle, none for Trump, uh, five for DeSantis counting my own. Uh, and then, uh, I think that sleeves one or two for Vivek. Uh, I did not know what a Nikki Haley yard sign looked like Stu until I went to the, the <laughs> DeSantis uh, Haley uh, town hall on CNN last week. I did. I mean, if you would have anybody in the audience would have sent me a graphic that looked legit and said, here's Nikki Haley's yard sign. I would be like, oh, OK, cool. Now I know I wouldn't have known. I would have no clue what to compare it to the. And I would say until Governor Reynolds endorsed in October, it was like we were not even having a caucus. Energy was just down. Energy on the right has been down all the last year. If you look at the mid the the the, the, the special elections, the extra elections, our turnout has been bad comprehensively. So um, I think that's part of it. I also think there was a lot of thought in the spring and summer with all these indictments and all the national polls having Trump up by 7,000 points that what's the point of even doing this? It just seems like it doesn't matter. I think when the governor endorsed in October, it was kind of like the light switch went on. So it was at least there was at least a heartbeat. The last few weeks activity has picked up here exponentially. I don't know how much energy you can, uh, you know, take how many months of energy you can dial up into just a few weeks. We'll find out on Monday night. And late kind of see, you know, late season momentum, if you will, uh, is important. Like I remember Santorum very late in, the, in that uh, primary kind of coming right. out of, of nowhere, showing major increases in those last couple of days, even of polling. It was showing up that he was increasing. Um, so it, it, it definitely has happened. We've seen these big sorts of increases. And my understanding, Steve, you know, you're obviously involved in this process at some level. Like DeSantis's organization in Iowa it, it far outshines pretty much everybody else. Is that right? I agree, Stu. I, I, I helped build. I was on the ground floor of helping to build Cruz's organization here in 2016. Um, and, and, and that was the best caucus organization of all time. At the time, we had the highest vote turnout of all time. 
what has happened with the DeSantis campaign and a lot of the people that worked with us on the Cruz campaign ended up going with Ron. And so they, they clearly took copious notes, man, but, but they, they, they have taken it to a different level. I mean, my door has been knocked five times. My door hasn't been knocked five times by my state legislator. Like in the 17 years <laughs> I've lived in the same home. Yeah. I, I, I've just never seen anything like the, uh, the, the level of, uh, of data accumulation and and groundwork and legwork that has been done by the DeSantis campaign. On the other hand, you have essentially an incumbent president in Donald Trump, who's the only Republican other than Ronald Reagan to win Iowa in back-to-back general election cycles uh, post-World War II. Uh, no other, or, or, I'm sorry, post Eisenhower, no other Republican had done it. So he has a very popular base here as well. Um, I, I don't see anything on the ground that indicates Donald Trump is going to win by 30 points. Um, I, I, if I had to guess what will happen, I think Ron DeSantis, I don't, I, Trump will probably win would be my guess. If you put a gun to my head and made me pick, I think Ron DeSantis will dramatically outperform expectations on the other hand. Um, and, and, and then beyond that though, I, I don't know what will happen. And I, I, I'm, I am fascinated to find out like everybody else. Cause here's the other thing I don't know, Stu, you know, my, my buddy Chip Roy was here, is here, has been here this week and he's been sending me texts and videos the the walk up crowd that that they're generating on the, out on the campaign trail for DeSantis right now it's very Huckabee Santorum like late when those guys won here uh, in those cycles but here's what I don't know I don't know if that's oh we are really having a caucus so let me go find out what I think you know who this Ron DeSantis guy is in other words is this energy that we would have normally seen in September and October that it's just happening now or are these people that are ready to be closed are they curious or are they are they ready to be closed and so given how delayed this process has been by all the lawfare against trump um i i don't know the answer to that in a traditional caucus cycle i would say well those are people ready to be closed but we've not had a traditional caucus cycle is that how these decisions are being made by Republican voters, Steve, do you think? Because I, I, you mentioned the lawfare stuff against Trump, and you know we've talked at length about that. It, it seems to me at some level, people aren't making their decision based on like, hey, uh, did Ron DeSantis actually do a good job in Florida? It seems like every Republican I ever talked mm-hmm. to says, yeah, he's, he's actually fantastic. Would he be a good president? Yeah, he's, he'd be great. But like there's some, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's loyalty or if it's just like, I think Donald Trump got screwed last time or he's being persecuted, so I can't, I can't leave him. It doesn't seem like the decision's being made uh, by, under the normal metrics. Am, am I right on that? I think you're largely correct about that. You know, I, you know, um, the uh, the Twitter sphere where you know you guys like you and I have to hang out because it's a requirement of our job. You know, we we have this uh, this this Trump of, of or this cadre of paid Trump influencers on there that like to brag and make it look like they've destroyed Ron DeSantis. Nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, if you if you look at it's funny if you look at the exact same internals of the polls that showed that, that Trump's going to win here by 30 points. DeSantis's favorables are often higher than Trump's. His likability is often higher than Trump. He's often the he's 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 almost always far and away the number two choice of Trump voters, even ahead of Vivek, who has essentially ran almost like the first bishop of Magadonia. Okay, <laughs> and and so I, I think I think that the the real thing here is that he's had to overcome is this idea that this guy it's just not his time yet that we have to see this thing through with Trump. It wasn't right what happened to him and therefore by extension what happened to us as the people that put him there, that we have to kind of see this through and oh, now you guys are trying to put him in prison and indict him and and make it look like our votes don't even count. Screw you. Believe me, 
I completely under, if you know the way, if you know me at all, you know, I am totally understanding of that kind of a sentiment. Okay. Now, Iowa is somewhat unique uh, in that um, our Trump evangelical base here is not like the one you'd see like in Alabama, for example. These are, these aren't people like offering up their firstborn children or anything of that nature. Um, it's, it's more a respect of, of, about Trump and for the policies that he had that were good for our state. And they were. So if there was ever a place where DeSantis could have an opportunity to break through that, to have an, a real argument about what's best for the future, this would be one of those places. Um, and that has been the conversation around here for the last few weeks. And so, I, I, I've sensed more excitement from the DeSantis campaign um, internally from sources I have there and people I know than I have since they launched. Um, but again, the only thing that gives me caution is I don't know if that is now people are actually finally engaging the process, meaning they're just finally deciding to take a serious look at DeSantis or if they're like, yeah, we, we've seen enough of him. He's the only one that's been here for all 99 counties. He's done over 250 events. And, and that's my guy. I, I don't know the answer to that right now. Mm. Uh, all right. We got about 30 seconds left here, Steve. What does DeSantis need to do? Does, if he comes, I mean, if he comes in third, I think he's in real trouble. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if he comes in second, does he just need to get close? Does he need to win Iowa? What does he need to do to keep going? I would be stunned if he came in third. I'd, I'd be stunned if Haley got out of the teens. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I've been stunned before. We shall see. I, I, I think if he wins, you're obligated to go to New Hampshire as the Iowa caucus champion. Short of that, um, if, if he's a clear second, um, then I, I would skip New Hampshire. I do that Saturday debate they always have there. But I would skip New Hampshire. I, I'd make Haley and Trump go mano a mano in New Hampshire, and hopefully Trump knocks out Haley. We'd all probably cheer for that. Uh, and, and, and if I were DeSantis, I'd go right to South Carolina. Unless I win Iowa, then I'm obligated to stop and, and make a play of it in New Hampshire. That's what I would do. All right. Uh, Steve Dace, catch him on the Steve Dace Show right here on Blaze TV. And check out his book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial. So this never happened. Again, Steve, thanks so much for coming on the program. Anytime, Stu. Take care, man. Appreciate it. The border is a crisis, and I'm not just saying that about Joe Biden and the way he's handling it. I mean, it's really bad on the border, and I'm not the only person noticing it. Uh, the new poll out from uh, CBS News is uh, the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border is a crisis. 45% of people are saying that. 30% are saying it's very serious. And 18% are saying somewhat serious. So you're at 75, 80, 93% of people saying it's a problem. And only 7% saying not much of a problem. These are catastrophic numbers for the Biden administration. Probably the best thing you can find, honestly, for Biden in here is that they also don't like congressional Republicans all that much on it. But still... They don't like congressional Republicans on anything. Um, that's a big problem. But I think we're going to go into this maybe maybe tomorrow on State of the Race in more depth, give you like a big, good breakdown of the crisis this is for the Biden uh, campaign. It is a big one. It's really going to hurt him. And uh, if he can overcome it, it's going to be uh, quite the trick. Um, uh, what's the big problem coming forward? Yes, the border is part of it. But uh, a Davos survey is now warning on the biggest risks coming forward. And they say election disruption from A.I., poses the biggest global risk in 2024. They have a bunch of risks. These are the uh, top 10 risks over the, over the next two years. Misinformation and disinformation, uh, extreme weather events, 
societal polarization, cyber insecurity. These are all basically related to AI, uh, with the exception of the weather. Uh, interstate armed conflict, lack of economic opportunity, inflation, involuntary migration, uh, economic downturn and pollution. Long term risks, they say extreme weather events. Number one, critical change to Earth systems, biodiversity loss and ecosystem collapse. Again, this is Davos. They're just basically saying global warming uh, is everything. But also they're looking at AI seemingly in the same way. Uh, just a, a bizarre and fascinating look into the minds of the people uh, who make up this Davos survey. But there's a lot to look forward to. And I, and I do think that we are in that area where a deep fake or AI or something like that could make a major difference in a big campaign moment. We'll see if that occurs. Keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we have one more cycle before it's the norm because that's coming real soon. Is the economy good or is it bad? Now, you ask people and you see overwhelmingly high numbers of people saying it's actually just terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going well. Uh, my personal situation is not going well. Uh, my groceries cost too much. Everything costs too much and then things are not going well. I can, the house prices are ridiculous, especially with the mortgage rates. All that is kind of what the sentiment of the American people is. Um, but what if we could blame that sentiment on a certain number of voters we don't like? That's the experiment being uh, you know, entered into by Paul Krugman, who writes in the New York Times, is poor economic sentiment all about MAGA? And basically, the idea is everybody agrees the economy is great except for these darn Trump people. And the Trump people are keep saying, well, actually, the economy is bad. That's bringing down the overall numbers, which makes it look like people overall think that the economy is bad. But in reality, they really think it's good, except for those pesky MAGA people. And what better way to get rid of MAGA people uh, than to just say, hey, eh, we wouldn't have this MAGA people problem if it wasn't for all these MAGA people. Um, Look, this, of course, is the reality all the time, right? Like when Barack Obama's in, in office, a lot of people say the economy's not that good that don't like Barack Obama. When George W. Bush is in office, a lot of people say the economy's not so good uh, who are Democrats. That's just like very normal uh, stuff. It is in, you know, it partially part of the reason the numbers are lower, but they don't bring it to the, num- the level that we're talking about here. People do realize uh, the economy is not doing well and they're not doing well in it. Uh, and finally, uh, California has a, uh, a ban uh, that they're proposing now uh, under law that would ban tackle football for kids under 12. Now, look, I mean, I have a kid who is 12 years old uh, who might play football and I have him playing touch or uh, flag football. I, you know, I don't know. I'd rather he's a baseball player. And so I don't know. I don't want to get him hurt. You know, I'm a little bit of a wuss on this. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I played tackle football when I was a kid. Uh, You see the brain doesn't really work anymore. But other than that, I'm okay. Uh, Generally speaking, I think, you know, this stuff should be decided by, I don't know, maybe a couple of people who have real interest in the future of that child. I like to call them parents. I mean, I know California makes all the right decisions. You see, I mean, the streets of San Francisco, combining that with the idea of a toilet, what a great idea it was. They make great decisions all the time. But I'm going to go ahead and say maybe the parents should be in charge of the decisions for their kids. Only five days away from Iowa. 
Uh, who knows after that? We've got New Hampshire a couple of weeks from now as well, and we you know, are less than a year away from the general election. There's so much to talk about, so many things to discuss. We've got a debate tonight, a couple of town halls going on tonight. So much to go over, and that's why we added a special bonus podcast, State of the Race. You can catch it. Uh, on the feed uh, for Studios America. It's a free podcast. It's going to be available in the mornings, updating you with all the information that you need about that day's election developments. Don't miss it. Check it out now. The State of the Race. I think you're going to like it quite a bit. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you tomorrow.